We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Computer, this is Data. I'm an Android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, aka Cranges Make Basketball. And we finally got to see some good basketball from the Lakers, Tim. It's been a rough start to the year, but the Lakers are four and two in their last six with wins over the Clippers, Raptors, the uh, Matt, Mavericks, and the Thunder. So we ha- we were keeping it positive last time. And uh, this week, Tim seems to have uh, bore out for us. But how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well, Tom. We're back. Uh, not not you and me. Like the Lakers are back. It's, we're so back. We're so back. It was so over, but it is. <laughs> we're so back now. Um, it's very cyclical, like that. I feel like much of this year, not much of it. Portions of this year, we've been losing games, and I've been like, actually, things are pretty good as long you know. Once we get a guy back healthy, you know, this team's going to be good, and, and we we're finally seeing it. I feel less crazy process does matter and, and the process has been strong and is getting stronger. And we'll talk about that today, but you know, we, we got superstars playing like superstars. We got some role players back. We got some lineups, Darvin and his squad have, you know, they, they took some heat not too long ago and it seems like they have responded well and it may have helped save this season. And we'll see if the front office decides to make any further moves from a trade standpoint, but I'm feeling as though Darvin's seat is getting a little bit less hot now that that we have seen that improvement and you know it may end up all things considered be the right thing for the team that they you know we're we're starting to feel that heat and ideally they would have been awesome the whole year long but we're in a uh not an insurmountable position from a standing standpoint and the team's playing better hoop but uh definitely have to keep climbing at this point moving forward absolutely and i think they've made progress toward long-term improvement not just short-term kind of fixes what they seem to have been searching for after moving away from the year's starting lineup which is the D'Lo, austin prince lebron ad unit that definitely had its issues on the defensive end and i thought could have been worked through 
Darvin decided to insert Cam for Austin, and that worked for the Lakers when they were getting those wins in the in-season tournament. They were able to stagger those playmakers that they have, even though they didn't have Gabe Vincent by this time. They were okay, right? And the rotations made sense in the spacing terms of things. Adding Vando back in the mix gets more complicated, and we kind of go down the path we saw. Now we're returning back with some more tweaks still as well. But before we get into some more of the rotation stuff, how they've looked since they went back there and with their organized offense here in the short term, I just wanted to, I looked up how dominant AD has been in the first quarter lately, it seems, Tim. It's been a point of focus that the Lakers are trying to play through Anthony Davis the most when he's fresh. And being that uh, workhorse on offense, when the game starts in the last 15 games, these are just totals, points, not averages. He's second in minutes, second in points, only to Shea, who's in first, first in rebounds, fifth in free throw attempts, ninth in assists, again, ninth most assists in the first quarter over the last 15 games, and fifth in blocks. He's gotten a triple-double with assists. He almost got another one. We've absolutely, you know, LeBron is talking about teaching him some moves, some passing out of doubles, tricks. AD has been a monster, man, and win or lose, the team hasn't been losing because of him in the first quarter. That's for sure. Yeah, he's he's looked good. He's had his volume. I think the team has done a really good job of when he's out there and LeBron's not out there, like get him the ball, feed him, run things through him. And schematically, there are implications to that and elements that can help unlock that or put AD in the right positions to succeed. And we've seen them click into place recently, which as we'll talk about in a few minutes. minutes. Uh, but AD, after a slow start to the season and – I think rightful criticism uh, has played really, really well and at that superstar level and has risen up to the point that like in our uh, impact data here at B-Ball Index and in our LeBron stuff, he's, let me see right now, he has, he's right now ninth in the NBA. Uh, so he's, he's at that top 10 level in the season, but I think over the past that 15 games or so, he's been more like top five, top six level, which is what you need to see if this team wants to go the places it wants to go. Just the, the spacing around AD, Tim, and being able to have more space to operate, but also he's just making his jumpers more, right? Like he's just performed better and the jumpers come back in that mid-range. He's not like a terribly inefficient shot there anymore. Yeah, we, and that's something we talked about earlier on. Like he's, we don't have, or at least I don't have the, the highest level of confidence that he's going to be and an excellent three point shooter, but his mid range shooting throughout his career. Like if you just look at the percentages, it's not as impressive, but when you look at like the shot making adjusting for the shot quality, like he's been a really effective mid range shooter and to start this year. And this was a big part of his struggles. He was well below his standard. And in a way that it was pretty obvious, he was going to bounce back. I think when he started bouncing back, like he's had some banana shooting performances where, you know, like against the Clippers, LA was running a bunch of plays where they were basically getting him, they were drawing up mid-range jumpers for him, which irks me a little bit, but he was just hitting everything to the point where it, it didn't matter and there's really no way to defend him. So it, we're seeing the, we've seen the lows, we're seeing some of the highs, but the norm that we're kind of returning to is is at a level that really helps his effectiveness in, in the team's offensive floor and ceiling. So walk us through it. We go through the help beaters here, right? You've been tracking, you know, game to game, how many they're running, how effective they are. 
Is that development part of his, you know, revolution as a passer? He's he's making some great anticipation throws to cutters and all that, but is it a lot of it timing, uh, just running more help beaters? What do you think is the re- explanation for the increase? Yeah, when it comes to his passing, that is certainly a really, really large element of it. And when we look at the dashboard that I've put together that tracks all of this stuff, and we just look at potential assists by AD, so whether or not his teammates made it or not, and we just look at the organized offense type, yeah, help beaters have been a high form of AD creation for others as have just running sets in general. Maybe maybe it's not necessarily, you know, just feed them in the post and react to what the defense does against you, but they've been drawing up plays for post-ups or for other touches for him that put him in situations to leverage his passing. I've always felt he's been, you know, there's always some ebb and flow, but he's been a pretty strong passer, and it's been more a matter to me uh, when I'm watching the, the, the games whether or not the Lakers at a team level are organized in a way that, gives him options. Like if you feed him, he gets double teamed and everybody stands still. There's really no way to make him look awesome as as a guy that's passing. But when he gets double teamed and the Lakers have cuts to the rim or they're setting pin and flare screens for each other or, you know, other, other off ball actions that give him outlets so that when he passes to somebody, they're wide open and they're going to get a good shot. All of a sudden he's looking better as well. And you have to have both ends of that. And I think right now the Lakers certainly have both clicking. And from a volume standpoint, if we look at the 10 game chunks throughout the season from games one to 10 this year, and this is including the in-season tournament final in my tracking, but games one to 10 LA averaged running 1.6 help beaters a game. So one and a half, not much Uh, from games 11 to 20. They're at 4.3. So they, they really upped the ante a bit. Then they dipped a little bit back down to three a game for the next 10 game chunk. Then they jumped back up to four and a half a game from games 31 to 40. Games 41, 42, and 43, the past three games, they're at nine a game. This is an unprecedented number for the Lakers in the tracking that I have done last season and this season. They are leveraging feed AD, and if you let him go 1v1, he's going to cook you. And if you send help, we're going to counter it at a rate that we just have not seen. And we're at a stage in the season where the Lakers have seen everything. Like, earlier on in the season... You know, if there are four, I don't know, to simplify things, we'll say there are three different ways you can defend an AD post-up. So early in the season there, you know, if the Lakers were facing post-help, they were like ready to cook like one of the types. And, but if you ran the other ones, it was a little clunkier. As we've gotten throughout the season, they've seen everything defenses can throw at them. We're halfway into the year. You've played like everybody. And so at this point in the year, And this is what's so like in football, there's so much that can go on. It's schematically can be really complex, but for a lot of players, it's like you hear what your job is and you do your job in basketball. When you're like running these help beaters, if a double team comes from the strong side versus the weak side, and then how the rest of the defense responds, it changes what the right answer is. So you're truly as a five man unit needing to read and react because if two different guys read it wrong, like if four guys are on the same page and one guy's on a different page, yeah. you can do the wrong thing. And then 80's throwing, you know, he's throwing interceptions and it looks bad. You bring your guy to the, the same page. to the cutter or something. Exactly. Right. Like yeah. if, if there's a strong side double and the right move is for that a guy who just fed the post at that strong side elbow or a strong side wing to cut to the rim, 
if you're on the weak side, you don't also want to cut to the rim. You're already covered. You're not open. The, the, the help didn't create any advantage for you, but now you're dragging extra bodies into the paint and that strong side cut is no longer open. So you can, and, and I saw this in my tracking a couple seasons ago with the Vogel teams. If you, the Lakers were more, most effective when defenses sent help and they counted it correctly. Uh, the next best thing was just going 1v1. The you know worst option was the defense sends help and then we'd run the wrong counter or we'd have players not on the same page. And at that point, you are you know so much more prone to turnovers and runouts for the other team. So you help your defense out by being on the same page. You help your offense out by being on the same page. And we've seen the Lakers get to a point in the season where they're on the same page executing they're, I mean, they're even underperforming a little bit right now from a from a shot making standpoint on their help beaters, but they are getting to great looks and it's elevating AD's role as a playmaker on this team. And that shift also makes it so a guy like Jared Vanderbilt, who when he's out there, you worry about his spacing effects. If you're running help beaters, it doesn't matter quite as much because he's you're always going to have opportunities for cutting or, or screening on the weak side. So the two things you'd want him to theoretically be doing, you're kind of, you know, designing into the approach every play. So it helps a guy like him. If you happen to have, you know, Delos out for, because he's injured or LeBron's out or Reeves is out, or you're just in the lineup where they're not out there, where the Lakers trade one of those guys and don't get playmaking back, you can still run offense this way and have AD be the decision maker. And it still works just fine. So I am pleased with how it's looked. I think it's elevated AD's game. He has certainly held up his end of the bargain and it's, it, it's been really, really good. It's at volumes we have not seen before. And it is something that if it can continue, like this is a different Lakers team. Like that's a different approach is we're just going to pound the post, which is not something we'd ever really seen AD do at the same levels of a Nikola Jokic or like a Joel Embiid. And this might be closing that gap if this volume stays where it is. And it's really helping like the rest of the team perform better on offense. Delo's getting great shots from spot-up opportunities. Prince is continuing to get great shots and be a great spacer around these guys. And you know, he's even been attacking off the dribble in more space, you know, once he's able to work in space, actually create something going to the rim. I don't hate it. It's, you know, not the adventure that watching a Cam Reddish uh, attack a closeout is. I definitely uh, trust Austin attacking closeouts. And, you know, he's more of just kind of extra spacing and a little bit extra playmaking in the starting lineup. They don't need him to do too much. So I kind of like that when then D'Lo goes out for a chunk in the middle of the first, you know. So I like where they're at with their guard rotation. And, yeah, excited at the thought that Gabe could come back and, provide for this team because i think the the rotations and cam's injury is unfortunate i think it does give them an opportunity to see what less minutes of him could look like how to maximize his minutes and not run his knees into the ground which seems like he, you know, he was up and down there for a while so hopefully he can get right because i do think they can use what he brings to the table from a size pers- uh, perspective but in a much smaller dose, right? Delo's getting more minutes now. The minute distribution has made more sense. Vando has started to come on here a little bit, making defensive plays and being more of a facilitator. And you know what I mean? Actual like slasher threat. He's looked like an actual like threat there lately, actually. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And to speak to your point about the players around AD are getting some of the easiest shots, you know, within that form of offense. When you look at like just the caliber of shots for various Lakers players from the half of court offense versus the freelance offense versus in the help beaters, Delo's getting his easiest shots off of help beaters. Austin Reeves getting his easiest shots off of help beaters. Max Christie, same thing. Torian Prince, same thing. Uh, let's see here. LeBron James, same thing. Christian Woods, same thing. You can just go up and down. Jackson Hayes, when he's out there, same thing. Many of these Lakers players, like the easiest shots that they get within the Lakers offense overall big picture are through this style of offense. And AD is the primary passer in those situations. And you have enough strong secondary passing around him that you're able to make the one more pass and make those right, you know, ball mover decisions to maybe if the first pass isn't going to get you to the shot because the defense is desperately closing out, you've got guys who can attack closeouts or make the one more pass to the shooter next to them and, you know, get great looks. So whether it's AD feeding them or off of the one more pass, help beater offense has been a center point for the Lakers in recent games. And it has just been absolutely dominant. And until we see the Lakers play a team that has a 1v1 like defensive post guy to the point where they don't need to send help, this is going to continue. And off the top of my head, I don't know who that is. Like this has been the thing about like, well, the Lakers didn't sign a Jokic stopper. The Lakers didn't sign an Embiid stopper. I don't think those guys exist. And if you are able to operate at the same level as those teams in terms of your help beaters, we're now entering that same realm of discussion where this is a top line form of offense, offensive approach for the group that is going to be a nightmare for a lot of teams to game plan against. If you play against a team like Dallas that has some smaller dudes, he's just going to be able to eat and you have to send help. And as long as the offense is ready to counter that, it's there's really no it's a no win scenario for the defense. If your adjustment is to let AD play one on one, that's a fantastic result for L.A., it means they don't have counters to denying the ball from Anthony Davis and don't feel confident in the rotations. You know what I mean? And think he just let him do his thing and not let anybody else go off. That's where we get to. That's a, a, a position of strength for the team to operate in and get more advantages for other players like Braun. And I think it just helps D'Lo and Austin. Uh, Wood has looked great next to AD, I think, in the last few weeks as well. It helped to provide some some boost of scoring. So it, after being wildly out of place, Tim, did you, have you seen that video of the the guy and the girl arguing about the locations of those colored bo- water bottles? And like one person's <laughs> consistently right and they keep undoing it. And it's like, it felt like that's what we were so out of line with things that were where they should be that we've fallen closer to all the pieces being in place for what I think this team could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, what we've saying the team can't, what we've been saying the team can be is now what we're seeing and all those process pieces that were falling into place while the team was still like pretty injured or, you know, the, from a three point defensive standpoint, a little bit unlucky, like we're seeing the process pay off right now. Like if, if the Lakers are running plays 40% of the time, 44% of the time, as they had been the, the nine games prior to the most recent nine games, the offense doesn't look this good right now. If the Lakers are running three help meters a game instead of nine a game, it doesn't look this good right now. Like those things matter. The right now, last nine games, Lakers are at a 55% rate of organized offense, which is 
way better than they had been in quite a while. Last game, it was at 66%. Like the Lakers on the season hadn't shot all that well from three, but this was a roster when you look at the pieces that they should be able to. And over the past 15 games, they're at 38%, ninth best in the NBA. Like the attacking the rim, getting to the free throw line, the three-point shooting, like there were elements of this team that for one reason or another weren't operating at the level that we expected. And now that the process is good and the team is getting healthier, like we're seeing more of what we expected to see from this Lakers squad. It's unfortunate. It took half a year to reach, you know, a stretch of games where you're healthy and this, the process is good. Although we did see that earlier on in the year during the in-season tournament, which wasn't a mirage. That was a real, you know, combination of, of process and health coming together to, to yield really good results. We're now starting to see that again. And, Another element of this is when, when it comes to that luck piece defensively, you don't always know, you know, you can't control if the shot's going to go in or not, but you can control how well you're contesting, how open the shots are for the other team schematically from an effort standpoint, from an execution standpoint. But beyond that, and just looking at the difference between like what should teams be shooting on these, you know, threes versus what are they shooting for the early season, LA had been a little bit lucky. Then there was a big stretch of December that in, in the beginning of January where opponents were shooting lights out against the Lakers, even on like pretty hard shots, or they were shooting even better than they expected. We would expect them to shoot on open shots. And we're now just now starting to see the expected in the actual lineup in, in the closest they've been in quite a while. And it's making it, you know, there, there has been truly some, some good defensive improvement in process and performances from this Lakers squad that just haven't put up the defensive rating we would expect because they've been a little bit unlucky, but that's kind of falling back down to earth on the season. This is the type of thing that tends to go up and down. We see it year after year, team by team. It's just not something you can control and big picture. You're going to be within two, 3% by the end of the year, but for any five, 10 game sample, you can be really lucky. You could be really unlucky. And sometimes you're going to win games you shouldn't and lose games you shouldn't because of factors like that. So you got to focus on what you can control. You can't control whether or not, I don't know, like SGA had a fight with his girlfriend the night before and didn't good, good sleep or, or I don't know, J-Dub had a bad breakfast, like shit like that. That's not part of the game plan. And that's not how you justify like, oh, well, we gave up a bunch of open threes and they missed them because we knew they would like, you know, you got to control what you can control. And then, okay. you know, have you considered, and, and, have you considered that Deandre Aiden didn't like snow shovel his driveway? So he called in <laughs> sick from work, Tim, I don't know. Kinda, you never know what's happening. Off subjective the court. to me. <laughs> I, all I'm saying is focus on limiting open threes. And generating open threes on offense and generating good shots at the rim and getting to the free throw line. And we're seeing the Lakers improve their process, but then also the results are kind of clicking into place now. And it's, it's, you know, yielding some, some, some good results. Wins over the Clippers, Mavs, OKC in the last six games. And we're, uh, we're at the point now where I, I think if the team can sustain this or improve on this, Absolutely. We're back to, you know, hey, this is a title contender. And now the front office, they're able to see, hey, what is a what do good lineups in a well-coached team look like? And then from that point, truly understanding what we are, 
what are the right decisions in terms of trades? Because for much of right. the season, the team wasn't playing up to what we would expect of it. And so it's really hard to gauge, do we need to blow this up? Are we actually a right. title contender? Like, do we need a little move, a big move? Like, what's going on here? So we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I would say, and chime in on this from a rotation standpoint recently, now that just about everybody's healthy, I know Cam Reddish is out and that actually kind of helps here in a way because between him and Vando, Vando's the better player. Vando's the better defensive player. Cam's a better on offense, but it's hard to have both of them in the rotation at the same time. But if I'm picking one, I'd rather it be Vando and I want it to be off the bench in these super switchy and hedging units like we've seen recently. So I think He's playing a good role for him and big picture with the lineups and rotations. I'm seeing a Lakers squad rolled out. That makes sense. Like we're, we're seeing just about 48 minutes a night of lineups that make sense and have some reasonable expectation to succeed. Yeah. For a long time, it's been, how can we survive? No, no AD minutes in those LeBron early second quarter. And that, you know, last few games, it's been D Max, Vando, Wood, LeBron. And it's been a lot better. Like those lamps make sense, right? There's playmaking, there's spacing, got a little bit of switchability, Vando at the point of attack, able to hide, you know, D-Low a little bit. And those lineups have performed better um, mm-hmm. and, and kept it more of a competitive game in those minutes that they've been really struggling in. So, you know, they're staggering Austin and, and D-Low you know, they're putting Vando and Wood out there. These kind of sub, you know, pairings that have that positive negative energy that like 
you know, Vando and AD can be difficult, but there are times where Vando's point of attack, having size on Luca instead of Prince, you know, is nice for some some coverages. But they are switching it up more often, so I'll give them that. Uh, there's more of a reason to, to play Vando because they're leaning into his skills more, and he's gotten more pl- facilitating opportunities as well. Yeah, yeah, he's playing well, and he's in a role that makes sense for him. And this is a really important thing to understand: is for role players and there are a lot of them on this team. You can see good play from them and bad play from them based on how they're used. We, we've used like the toolkit example, but like if you're thinking about like, I don't know, you're, you're a teacher in a high school and you're a really, really good math teacher. And, you, you know, we love how great you're teaching math. So we decide to give you, you know, you're going to teach science instead in an extra two classes. We're going to see more of you, but it's not what you're good at. So you're not going to do as well. Like people wanting Vando to see his minutes go up a ton and then be inserted into lineups that make less sense for him and for the team. I think they're missing the mark a little bit in terms of like, why is what's working working, right? Like why are we succeeding right now? What about that? Do you gain or do you, do you continue or do you lose by changing the way you're proposing we change? And Vando is such a specific player with specific skill sets and strengths and weaknesses on each end of the court that finding that right role for him is really important. And I think the Lakers have found that and it's aligning with what we've been saying since preseason and it's working well. And if you get out of it, I think you should expect them to play worse. And so I would rather us have 20 like minutes of excellent Vando in a perfectly optimized situation versus 30 minutes of Vando starting and in lineups that aren't as good for him to show his strengths and are in lineups where his weaknesses are much more on display and at a team level, you're performing worse. So that, I think that's the an element of it where it's like, this is good and that doesn't necessarily mean to mean we need to see more of him. We need to see you know the most of him possible in the role that he's good at playing. And I think it's worth noting, okay, we're we're trying to be like short-term and long-term here. Looking long-term, the Lakers trending up. They got two wins against top six Western Conference opponents. Uh, when they were due on some, you know, some shooting regression, you know, in their favor, the Lakers having their opponent miss more. Those teams still got a lot of good open threes, right? And that is still long-term a concern that we have continued to see them surrender a lot of open threes. Now, they were a lot better and there were more contested ones. And they're improving um, the the shot quality that they're giving up. I think the Dallas one was the thirty six point eight, right? Uh, expected or the shot quality. Yeah. There have been more games recently where the Lakers' defensive three point percentage, the expected percentage against the Lakers, has been like more normal and reasonable. There there was a stretch there where it was real real bad. Yeah, it's still fantastic, but it's right. Getting, they're getting it a little bit more in line. They definitely still have growth to make, but it's more acceptable at this point. Not every game, but uh, like the OKC game was giving up really high quality threes. And you called that out on the stream and I was tweeting about it afterwards. But in a lot of the games around that game, we've seen better performances from a three-point defense. The, the nagging thing in the back of my mind was they're just missing shots tonight. Oh, and this team just missed shots again. Uh Maybe we're due for a few of those here uh, as it's been a tough first half of the season. 
but still, I didn't feel great long term uh, about that that development. So hopefully, it can continue. We're recording this to, uh, but Friday afternoon before the Brooklyn game, which we will do tonight on playback. So join us if you're listening day of or in playback right now. I guess mo- keeping it going with what we've seen from LA lately, Tim, the the organization of the offense. They're they're on the rise. The trend's going up. Are there major schematic adjustments you've seen? Are they running a lot of the same plays they've run before? Have they added some tweaks or you know evolutions of some of the things we've seen already? Yeah, really good question. So we have seen them use a lot more weak side action in recent games. And when we think about like why running like an organized set play is important and why it's just better than just kind of freelancing it's often because you can organize that we're going to have two things happening at the same time or we're going to have one action succeeded by another action followed by another action and when you can run a ball screen like you can call out set plays that are just ball screen and you set it up different ways you want to attack different coverages but a lot of the good value is we're going to run a ball screen while at the same time we have an exit screen or a flare screen or a pin down or something going on on the weak side that gives the defenders for those players a second job to do. Because if their only job is, you know, my guy's standing still, I'm ready to play health defense. When LeBron drives to the rim, they're there to play health defense. If they've got to go worry about a pin down or a flare screen or something on the weak side and they, they you know, go defend that action, now they can't also play health defense at the rim. And... So that percentage of weak side action has really increased. And within that, we're seeing a lot more exit screens. We're seeing more flare screens. Like those are some of the, the specifics that I think are really important. We see this Lakers offense at its best in those situations. And that volume is certainly up. If I think about what else I have seen the team go to recently, let's think here. I mean, it's just been a lot of like little tweaks, like even the wide pin downs for AD that defenses had just been going underneath. Right. The Lakers have tightened up the angle on that. So instead of him coming out of like the left corner, he's coming out of like the left, like dunker spot. And then kind of running straight up and catching around the elbow to then post up or catch and turn the corner or uh, like catch and shoot. And that's, you know, he's catching the ball more in positions to score for him. And the angles that the Lakers have been screening has made it a little bit harder for the defense to try to go under, or if they do go under, he's getting an open like practice shot elbow jumper. And if it is guarded well, great. Now he's in the high post and we can just run offense around that. So little tweaks of existing actions that have been go-to concepts for the Lakers have been another element of this that like, we're just seeing them learn. We're seeing them grow. We're seeing them adjust. And I don't know. Is there anything else that stands out to you? I should pull up my dashboard. What have they been running more recently from a series standpoint? Yeah, they've been running those tight pin downs more. We've seen them. A good amount of double drag. Yeah, we're definitely still seeing a good amount of double drag. We're still seeing some delay. Some horns. Yep. We're seeing some horns. horns lately. We've seen uh, the Lakers are doing a lot where they'll set up in horns, have one of the elbows dive to the rim, and they try to make that Boring action. Like if if he's good at that. Yes, he's been finding guys. If there's even a little bit of separation, he's looking to find you and you get a layup because the floor is so spaced with that alignment. 
So that's good. And then if that guy's not open, great. He's under, under the rim. And now he can run out to the corner for an exit screen, or he can, you know, set a back screen for a roll man in like a stack or Spain action or receive a down screen to run up to the top of the key or the concept that I had been wanting that we hadn't seen for like 35 games of the year. And then I think three days after I was tweeting about it, we got to see them add to the, the playbook is more of like a downhill dribble handoff where the guy who is going to catch the ball is starting from under rim. He receives that down, he receives a screen kind of like Chicago action, but instead of the guy coming out of the corner and looking to turn the corner, he is starting under the rim receiving receiving a down screen and then catching the the handoff so that's a concept that has worked well for the lakers and i'm glad that they've added so they're just i think making more of some of the things they like to do they're just kind of adding in some of the fun like i don't know they're judging things up a little bit which to me is really important it's like yeah evolving down the tree of options right they mm-hmm making that one branch of a certain setup have these different variants and also getting that feel and that chemistry and building that playbook out. So I don't know where, if you had to give like a rough letter grade for this team scheme right now, what would you give it? Putting you on the spot here. Sorry, but yeah, no. So right now we're seeing really high help beater usage. We're seeing really high organized offense rate. We are seeing them target coverage as well. We've seen them actually hammer home coverages pretty well. I don't know if you saw Anthony Irwin uh, sharing out that he had heard from, I think it was a scout for another team said something along the lines of like, we know eventually the Lakers will get away from, they've got good stuff in their playbook, but we know eventually they'll get away from it. Just kind of hinting at like they're unfocused in their play calling or they're not going to hammer home like their best stuff. I took that quote, brought us to someone I know who works for a, a team that the Lakers had coming up in the schedule and asked him for his thoughts on it. And he shared a similar sentiment that, you know, the Lakers do have good stuff in their playbook. They don't do a good job of hammering home advantages. Like if they call play and it works, they may not call it for two quarters. And we've seen recently, the Lakers have done a pretty good job of running the same play over and over again, if it's working or the same concept over and over again, if it's working. We've seen them sequence plays well and use counters. So like, I think right now there's still definitely room for growth, but for this season uh, compared to the rest of the year, this is the best we've certainly seen. And I think big picture, if I'm going to give it a letter grade, I would say right now we're at like an A, A, A minus level. Okay. There's, I, I want to see it get up a little bit higher, um, but it's at a point where if, if you can sustain this for the rest of the year, I, I, like – that makes a big difference. If we've been playing scheme at this level for the first 40 games of the year, we're, we probably would have won an extra five games. Yeah. And if you look at the standings, like that makes a big difference. So yeah. I don't want to make this sound like it's the most important thing, but it matters a lot and it will matter a lot moving forward. So if they dip back down in these areas, you're going to hear me say that. And uh, you know, it, they're going to play worse, but as long as they keep things at a high level process wise, and I, I, I guess I'll settle and say this is an A minus, but I'm a tough grader. Um, it's certainly the best we've seen from, from Darwin Hammond's staff. I was expecting a, like a B plus from you. So that's better than I, I would have expected. I is still encouraged and we'll get into, we're going to record bonus pod on the, the other half of this. If you are not in our Discord, you can reach out to 
Tim or myself for the pod account with a subscription uh, screenshot to our Lakers YouTube. Just go subscribe there, take a screenshot, send it to us. And we'll get into some more of the trade options. Ultimately, Tim, where I land is framing it like it's been a disappointment. The Lakers have been have kept AD and LeBron so healthy, but every other piece seems to have been you know hit by the injury bug and now or now or again. And Gabe's been out this whole time. Seeing this team kind of start to mash and gel, get some good quality wins. I don't know if I'm really in favor of any of these big moves. And I, I kind of haven't been as we've talked through the last few weeks. But before we get into the unpack that floor conversation, give a little tease for for what's coming up. How do you feel about just the in general, should we the Lakers make a trade right now? I'd say among the routes of don't make a trade, look to make a small trade at the margins or make a big trade. None of the big trade options that I see available or have heard about look like moves that make the team better and fit better or really upgrade the talent enough where I see it majorly impacting our, our title chances. I think there are moves at the margins for role players that can make a difference and can be an upgrade. And I say that's what I'm most interested at this point. If they didn't find a good one of those available and decided to just kind of let it ride and and stick with this group, I think this group, once Gabe is healthy, if Gabe returns and is healthy and is playing at the level we know he can play, not the, you know, shooting 14% on threes or whatever it was earlier in the season level, we did see him. I believe if they can sustain this level of scheme and stay healthy, like you are a title contender in a Western conference contender. So I am at the point where I'm open to a trade if you find a good one, (laughs) but I am not in the position where I'm like, you have to do something. This guy, you know, you have to trade D'Lo or you have to trade Rui or you have to trade Reeves or like, we know this can't work. So you just have to try something else because this is the last shot you have with LeBron and AD or something like that. That's, that's not where I am. So if there's something good, and we've got quite a list of names here that we're going to go through in that bonus pod uh, in several that I am very intrigued by. If you can get one of those guys at at an acceptable price, hell yeah, go for that. But I am not do I'm not making a move just to make a move. I feel you. Uh, don't go big name chasing, I think is where we're both at. Let this team figure out who they are, who they're going to be sucks that we're still kind of evaluating after a whole half of a season, but that's where we're at with the injuries and the inconsistency with the rotations. But thank you guys for joining us. Those on playback, stick around those listening on the pod, you know, send us that picture and get into our discord. You can get into our various tiers where you get bonus pods like this, but uh, until next time, I'll talk to you later. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.